Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. When I was in discernment for the priesthood, I joked I was going to get a half-sleeve tattoo of Mary Magdalene on my arm. Mary Magdalene was the first evangelist, telling the disciples the Lord had risen. A woman who had been healed of demons by Jesus. She was smeared either maliciously or unintentionally by the church as being a prostitute. And let's just face it, Mary Magdalene always seemed edgier, more dangerous than most of the other women of the Bible. But as I've gotten further into my priesthood, my tattoo idea has changed into one of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not just the birth mother of our Lord. Mary, the mother of God, is the Theotokos, the bearer of the incarnate word, the Logos of God. She literally brought the word of God forth into this world. And she was a woman called to years of dirty diapers and late night feedings and warm snuggles from God incarnate. She was called to teach him his first words, to put him in time out when he threw his tantrums, to love him through those difficult teenage years. She was called to watch him leave the house with 12 strange men, to hear the gossip the women at the well would whisper about her crazy son, to be at the foot of the cross when her son took his last breath, and to weep over his broken body after he died. Mary was the woman called to love the Son of God first. She was an ordinary woman called to do extraordinary things. And Mary had the strength, the courage, and the faith to say yes to it all. This was a great sacrifice. We often like to think of Mary as a married woman in her late 20s with a well-to-do husband, a decorated nursery, and an adorable baby bump. The image of Mary is peaceful, serene, beautiful, controlled. But this was not the case. To understand the sacrifice Mary made, not just the expected sacrifices of motherhood, but the sacrifice of her worth to society, you have to understand the culture in which Mary and Joseph lived. Personal wealth meant little, in a culture where 65% of the society actually meant it when they prayed for their daily bread. Power was a little more important, but still unattainable for the majority of people. We live in a culture that values wealth and power, but as these would have been so out of reach for the majority of people, Mary and Joseph lived in a time when honor and shame were the major currencies of the day. For women to gain honor, this meant marrying, birthing babies, and running a household. Mary appears to be an honorable person. Mary was a teenager, likely a young teenager at that. She was engaged to be married to a man well her senior. Her only value to society was that of running a household and being a mother. So this girl was on track to do just that. Her family had arranged a good marriage for her to a stable and honorable man, and all she had to do was stay out of trouble. But as one of my seminary professors advised, 
If you want to screw up your life, give it to Jesus. Along comes Gabriel. This suddenly honorable girl is now pregnant and is clearly not Joseph's child. This honorable girl has suddenly agreed to be shamed by her future husband, her family, and her society, and therefore to lose any standing at all she was to have in her society. Joseph had every right to parade her into town and publicly disgrace her. We are told in Matthew that as a righteous man, he would instead dismiss her quietly. He would be free to remain himself an honorable man and could make another match. However, the angel Gabriel once again screws up this plan. In Matthew, the angel Gabriel advises Joseph to make Mary his wife. Shame is contagious in their culture. Shame now infects Joseph and Mary. As soon as the town finds out about Mary's pregnancy, they both will be shunned by society. Mary and Joseph are strangers in their own land. In order to postpone some of that shame... Mary was rushed off to go visit Elizabeth in the early months of her pregnancy. Mary knows she has done the right thing by saying yes to God, but all her friends and neighbors will see is a harlot. Mary is sent to her older kinswoman, Elizabeth, from which she can expect a sharp rebuke for her shameful behavior. But Elizabeth knows. Elizabeth is another woman who has been shamed by society. She has spent her life unable to bear children, which was pretty much the reason for women's existence back then. To society, Elizabeth also had no value. But God also was doing impossible things with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was in the last few months of her pregnancy with a prophet of the Lord. When Elizabeth sees Mary, who is likely not even showing yet, John the Baptist jumps in her womb. And Elizabeth prophesies as she echoes the words of the angel Gabriel. Elizabeth not only knows Mary's secret, but she exclaims that Mary is blessed above all women. Now to Mary, who knows she has done the right thing, even though she has brought great dishonor to her family. This has got to be like a breath of fresh air to a drowning person. Here, Mary is the lowest of the low. And the voice of God through Elizabeth declares her blessed above all women. Mary knew when she said yes, what this yes would cost her. It would cost her a normal life. A life that had already been planned for her by her parents. It would bring shame upon her and her kinsfolk. And possibly cause her to be abandoned by the good match her parents had made. But Mary still said yes. And her life still is a testimony to the awesomeness of God. Nothing is impossible with God. And this is what Mary sings about in our canticle for today. The Magnificat, which she sings to God after Elizabeth's declaration of Mary's favor. Mary sees a glimpse of the kingdom of God before Christ is even born. Mary tells us that the lowly, like herself, will be brought up. The hungry will be fed. The poor will be made rich, and the sorrowful will be filled with joy. And once again, God will keep his promises. The promises he has continued to keep since the time of Abraham. God takes our societal expectations and judgments of worthiness, honor, and success, and turns them on their head. 
true justice and righteousness are realized. This is the kingdom of God. Mary started off as an ordinary Jewish girl, but that is not where she ended up. Mary was not just a woman passing into the nameless void of history. Mary is the queen mother, the mother of the king who is crowned in heaven. She is the woman we read about in Revelation 12, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Mary is the queen of the universe, but not because she was born into that role. No, Mary is queen of the universe because when the angel Gabriel came to her and told her God's plan, she said yes. But Mary is not the only one called to do this work. Meister Eckert said back in the 13th century, we are all called to be mothers of God, for God is always waiting to be born. How is God asking you to bring forth Jesus into your world? Is he asking you to prepare a room in your heart for him? Is he asking you to go forth and tell it on a mountain? Or is he asking you just for right now, To stare adoringly at the Christ child. To just have your heart be strangely warmed by sitting in the presence of God. Mother Mary has given us the playbook on how to make Jesus manifest in this world. And all we have to do is say yes. Say yes when God comes a-calling. Testify to the impossible things in your life. That God has made possible. Proclaim the greatness of the Lord. And finally, rejoice in God our Savior. Amen.